0: I have a word for you from um, Leviticus chapter 26, right? Leviticus chapter 26, and um, the title of my message is "Walking with God." Walking with God, um, and as I've been speaking the last few times, uh, I've been in Exodus and Leviticus, and I, I just wanted to continue in that theme, um, kind of digging through this story uh, of the people of Israel as they're coming out of the wilderness and they're they're being morphed and changed and. Um, becoming the people of God. And to get into this idea of walking with God, I just wanted to kind of relate this. When I go, I love hunting, right? I love to go hunting. And, um, I'm really, I'm more, I'm more of a sitter. I'm, I'm more of, it's more sitting in the woods than hunting. I, you know, that's what I'm really good at, is sitting in the woods. And when I go, when I go hunting, the thing you got to do is you got to wake up early, right? And you got to go into the woods real early, So, um, we get up real early, I meet Mr. Charlie out at the woods, or sometimes I'm on my own, and I get to the the trailhead, and I look into the deep, dark forest, and you start hearing leaves rustling around, and you start hearing branches breaking, and the wind might be howling, and you're thinking, well, time to go home. And you you don't want to, I don't want to go in. Even though I know we live in an the area, there's no bears, right? There's no wolves. There's none like, you know, we don't have any major predators. I'm scared to go in there, you know? I'm, I'm thinking maybe there's a rabid squirrel that's going to jump at me. I'm scared. No lie. I'm, things are going through my mind. I'm like, what if someone, what if I'm walking down the trail and there's just a person sitting there? I'm, I'm scared, right? And, um, but when I'm walking in with Mr. Charlie, or I'm walking in with my dad, or we're walking in together, I'm not scared, you know, I'll, I'll walk right into the woods, you know. I've got to be careful because I'm making too much noise, you know. We've got to be quiet. And, and we're walking together. And there's something about walking together, right. There, there's something about being together, being with that person, making sure that you're okay, you're, they're okay, right. In our lives, we want to walk with people. It's just in our hearts. We want to we be with people. We want to have relationships with people. We want to have friendships with people, right. We have this desire to be together. And I don't think it's just ours, but I think it's a desire of God as well. A desire to walk with us and to walk with Him. And that's what I really want to dig into because that's what this chapter in Leviticus is going to deal with. Uh, The time, who who is going to walk with the Lord? Who is going to be the one who walks with the Lord? How are they going to walk with the Lord? That's what the book of Leviticus is unpacking. And my idea is this that we are able to walk with God because the covenant conditions have been met. That idea is what I'm going to prove, hopefully from the Old Testament as well from the New. I want us to understand this. In order to walk with the Lord, the covenant conditions had to be met. The covenant conditions had to be met. But let's jump in. I'm going to unpack that as we go. Um, And so, We got to start from the beginning because the beginning is what leads to where we are at in the in Leviticus 26, right? God creates the earth, He creates the heavens, the earth, the stars, He creates the animals, He creates a garden, and in that garden He creates man and woman to be in that garden to to be the overseers, the ones who are going to have dominion over the garden to to create a place where God will dwell with humanity. He says, be fruitful and multiply. So they were to, to have oversee this garden, but they were also to increase in number, right? They're gonna create a society that walks with God, that meets with God in perfect harmony with nature, God, and people, right? That's the original plan, to be in this relationship with the Lord, right? That there would be an entire society, you could say a kingdom, that, that lives in harmony with the Lord in perfect peace. Right? But we know through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, um, they break that harmony, and they disobey the commands, and so they can't enjoy the blessings of it, and so they're cast out, they're exiled from the garden, right? and, and they're sent out into the world where there's pain and suffering, and, and where now sin has been involved, and sin is tearing apart the human nature and, and, and destroying our ability to, to do what God asks us to do. And so the rest of Scripture is going to be getting back to this garden, getting back to this harmony with the Lord, this perfect relationship with not only um, us and God, but also with the, with the place that we're living in, right? And, and that's, that's the rest of Scripture. And, and what we see, though, is that it gets worse and worse and worse. But then this, this man named Abraham comes on the scene, and God promises Abraham that his, his uh, family will grow into a nation. They'll get a land, and this nation with the land will be a blessing to the entire earth. And so we follow the line of Abraham, his family line, And it seems like things aren't going well, right? They they they're in uh, they're eventually brought they're in bondage in Egypt, right? Many generations later, and they're an entire nation now, but they're they're slaves in Egypt. And then the people, the Israelites in Egypt, are like, Lord, where are where are where is the God of Abraham? Where is he, Lord? Hear our cry, right? And God he hears their cry, he remembers the covenant, he remembers the promise he made to Abraham, and he begins to deliver them out of Egypt, right, through all the wonders and the plagues, he brings them out, out of Egypt, showing he is the true king, not Pharaoh, he is the almighty God, not, not Osiris, right, he brings them out into the wilderness, and into the wilderness, now he's forging them, one of the scriptures says, he's forging them into his people, he's, he's making them a, a nation, he, they're becoming the people of God, they're, they're being given all of the instructions to to be God's people, right? And we see, right, the Ten Commandments, PB just talked about that. And also we see, right, all of the the 613 after it. And and then though, in Exodus, starting in chapter 25 to all the way to the end of the book, gets a little different. He starts talking about this tent that they're supposed to build. I mean, what's so important? I mean. They're getting instructions how to build the tent. That seems random and strange. But now that God has given them this covenant, He's given them these instructions on how to be His people, He's creating a dwelling place where He will be in their midst, where He will be. Thanks, Hector. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Hey, isn't Hector the best? He's the best, ain't he? I love Hector. Thank you, Hector. Appreciate it, man. Awesome, Hector. How about we want to talk? We'll, we'll talk a little later, right? Okay. All right. Love you, okay. brother. Love you. Right? And yeah. Right? We're a family here, and and so we see this that um, that God right? He's given them this tent. and this tent. Uh, is going to be where God dwells with the people. God is everywhere, but this tent, this tabernacle, is going to be the meeting place where they encounter God, and and God will encounter with the people, right? And and at the end of all of these instructions, 15 chapters dedicated to how to build the tent and them building the tent. We get to the end, and, and at the end, it says that the glory of God came down and filled the tent, filled the tabernacle. Right? And, and God was now dwelling there. But there's a problem because at the end of Exodus, although God is in the tent, it says that Moses was not allowed to enter. Moses was not allowed to come into the tent. Here God is, he's established them as his people, he saved them from Egypt, showing his dominion and his power over all the nations and everything, all creation. And he's coming, he's dwelling in their midst, in this community. But they're not allowed to come near. They're not allowed in. And so the rest of the book of Leviticus will answer this question, who can enter the tent? Who can dwell with the Lord? Who, you could say, can go up the mountain? Right. And I've read this awesome book I I recommend. I'll tell you, if you want to know, come let me know. I'll give you the name of it. Um, It's a great book that I've been reading on this. But this is the question that is running through this, this book, Leviticus. Who can come and dwell with the Lord? You could say, who can walk with the Lord? That's what Leviticus is gonna dive into. And so Leviticus starts off with all these different offerings and sacrifices, the peace offering, the sin offering, right? The, the offering of fellowship, being together. There's all these different offerings. And at the end of these offerings, through the first nine chapters, we get to chapter nine, I mean, chapter eight, We get to chapter 9, and and Moses and Aaron come into the tent, and you think, wow, they were in. We're good. We made it. Now they're in the tent. They're dwelling with God. But then as they go out the tent, the next, what happens next in chapter 10 is Aaron's sons, they think they can do whatever they want. They go into the tent not following the regulations, not following the commands of God to respect him, to respect his holiness, and they die. They're dead. And so we're like, well, we can go into the tent, but they die. Well, Lord, how are we supposed to dwell with you? And what we realize is that, that God is a holy God, and naturally we are not a holy people, right? I mean, have you ever seen on maybe National Geographic when those scientists, they go up to... Uh, to the volcano to, I don't know, scoop the lava and stuff. I don't know if, maybe I've only want to watch that. But you can't, you can't go up, like these scientists go to the volcano to get the lava, right, to look at lava, right, and, and they go up. Now, you don't see them in their bathing suit going to the lava, right? Because it's dangerous, I mean, they want to go. There's power there. There's things to study there. It's amazing. But they cannot go in their bathing suit. They need to wear this full suit, right? They need to have these long tools with these little scoops in this big bucket and they scoop the lava, staying far back and safe. This is how they have to approach the holiness of God not because God is evil and mean and doesn't want people, but because people have become evil and mean and cannot come close to the perfection and the love and the, and the holiness of God, right? And so they have to go in and there's all of now these rules that they'll have to follow in order to approach God. And some of these Rules we see first with the purification of people, right? And that's where we see don't touch dead animals in the Old Testament, and, and then we get into the purification of the place. We talked about Leviticus 16, right? And how they sprinkled the blood, right, over, this, over, the, over the tabernacle, and what it did was it was symbolizing, but also truly doing was it was uh, removing the pollution of their sin in the camp, right? And it was to symbolize that this place had to become a sacred place. And what was also happening was the forgiveness of sins, right? So we see these two things happening, and that's this, the sacred space and sacred status, right? That the, the, the actual place is becoming holy, and also the people are becoming holy. And that's why after then in Leviticus 17 through 22, we see that they have to obey all of these different laws, right? And that's where we find love your neighbor as yourself in chapter 19, Right? And there's all of these laws on how to, how to live holy lives in this ancient culture. Right? And the main purpose is so that they will be different than the other nations. So that they won't be confused with the idol-worshiping people who don't follow the true God and fellowship with the true God. And then after all these holy instructions on how to live, we get to what is actually, you could say, the climax of this book. It's, it's actually the, the feast and the Sabbath where now the people have been prepared, right? That There's been sacred um, place set up. There's been sacred status. The people have been purified and forgiven. And now there's sacred time. And there's these feasts that Israel will follow. And it's, it's in order that now they can come to the tabernacle. And the high priest will go into the Holy of Holies, and they will experience the presence of god and they will bask in god's goodness right and they will they will have these moments these set apart times it's almost a sanctuary of time that's the purpose of sabbath so that they will they will sit with god they will walk with god and then we get to chapter 26 and chapter 26 is going to be our focus and it is the covenant blessings and the covenant curses. Because in chapter 25, when they, when they came to these Sabbath, in these, in these feast days, what I pictured is, like, uh, we probably all have maybe dining room tables, right? We all probably have dining room tables. And everything you work for in life, and all of the different activities you do, and all of the studies, and maybe all of the work, and all of everything you do is so that at the end of the day, you can come and be with your family or be with the ones you love and sit at that table together, right? But what's the purpose of a dining room table? If, what's the purpose of all that we do, all of the work we do, if we're not able to then come and sit together and enjoy time together or sit on the couch together, maybe watch a movie or, or play a game, right? All that, all that we're working for, right, is so that we can enjoy that time with the people we love. All of the book of Leviticus has led up to that point where they'll be sitting, you could say, at the dining room table, where the people will come and be with the Lord. But it's all conditioned. It's all, it's all conditioned on the covenant. And that's what, let's jump into 26. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 12, um, and then let's do 1 to 12 first, and then we'll keep going. All right, so this is what it says. You shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar. You shall not set up a figure of stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. All right, now, verse three. Super important sentence. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, that word if, everything that follows this sentence will fall on that word if. That's gonna determine This sentence is going to determine what will happen next. It says in verse four, "'Then I will give you your rains in their season. "'The land shall yield its increase. "'The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. "'Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, "'and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. "'And you shall eat your bread to the full "'and dwell in your land securely. "'I will give peace in the land, "'and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. "'And I will remove harmful beasts from the land.'" And, and the sword shall not go down through your land. You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall chase 10,000 and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply. Remember that phrase, it's an important phrase. You and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves, and I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. So important. What will happen if they if they obey these statutes, if they obey these commands, if they stay true to the covenant, what will happen? all of these amazing physical blessings for the the people of Israel at that time, right? But because of this, these phrases, the way they're worded, I mean, everything is conditioned on if you walk in my commandments and my statutes. We can read verse three, and then we can also read straight into verse 12. I'm gonna do that now. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, jump to verse 12. And I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. All of that other stuff is amazing blessing. But what it's all truly sitting under is that God will be walking with them. All of that blessing will be because God's walking with them, right? And, and, and they will be his people, and he will be their God. Right? This, is, this is the hope. This is what the entire book of Leviticus has been leading to. That This people with now this tabernacle and these different ways of the, the way you approach God in the right way to experience his presence and, and that he walks with you. You have to do it in order for him to walk with you. You have to obey it. That's what he's saying here. And then we jump into verse 14. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if you abhor my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. And he lists all of these different, how they, uh, they won't have any food. There will be destruction. And, but I'm going to jump right to verse 31. I want to focus on these consequences. And I will lay your cities waste and will make your sanctuaries desolate. And I will not smell your pleasing aromas. And I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. And I will scatter you among the nations. And I will unsheath the sword after you. And your land shall be a desolation and your city shall be a waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. We see that if they obey and keep the statutes, if they walk in the statutes, God will walk with them and be their God and they will be his people. If they walk contrary to God's statutes, they will experience pain and suffering finally leading to exile, being brought out of the land into destruction, brought out of the land, even into slavery, back to where they were basically in Egypt. And you think, oh my goodness, these people are doomed. But if we read in verse 40, it says, but if they confess their iniquity in the iniquity of their fathers and their treachery, that they committed against me, and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and I will remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them, and enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. They shall make amends for their iniquity, because they spurned my rules, and their souls abhorred my statues. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them. Remember, it says that they spurned his rules, and, and But look, it says, But I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them, so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God, but I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. Even though, even though, Israel without a doubt, and we, we know the history, we live after this, They will continue to live contrary to what God had commanded them. Do whatever they want. Seek what is right in their own eyes. They'll forget about the Sabbaths. They'll forget about their neighbor. They'll do anything to to lift themselves up instead of God. And they will be exiled. And they were. Brought out of the land. Brought really away from God's presence. And the temple was destroyed where God dwelt. Why? To signify that God's presence wasn't there anymore with them. The people are, are, are cast out of God's presence. Cast out of the land where they were to worship on these Sabbath days. To come and know the Lord and walk with Him. But even though that was to happen. Written into the foundational document. Is the way how God will continue still to redeem them despite their failures. We see. He, he, and it's the beautiful thing about it. That. This idea in verse 12, where he said, I will walk with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. We see a very similar phrase here in chapter, I mean, in verse 45, he says, but I will for their sake, remember the covenant with their forefathers whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations that I might be their God. See that other part where I might be their God, the other part, and they will be my people isn't there. Why? Because even though they will reject being his people, when they come and confess, God will always continue being their God. God, right? He, he will commit to the covenant. His commitment to the covenant goes beyond what the covenant demanded. When they broke it and broke the commitment that had to be there in order to keep God there, God continues to be faithful right? God continues to be faithful to the covenant, to his people. Even though they reject being his people, he continues being their God, right? And there's this question though, but we just keep messing up. The people of Israel keep messing up. Even after the exile, the people kept messing up. They kept making mistakes, me and you, we keep messing up. We keep making mistakes. Lord, what can you do with the sinful people? How? What are you supposed to do? Keep exiling and bringing us back? Exile, bringing us back? Exile, bringing us back? Who's going to be the one? Who is going to walk with God? Who is truly going to walk with God? Walking in the statutes and the commands. Right? We, we know it's, it's only Jesus who's going to come and walk according to the statutes and commands. It's only him who's gonna fulfill all that was said. All of all of Deuteronomy, all of Leviticus, all of it. It's only Jesus. But he does it in place of us. I love Ephesians 2. We gotta read Ephesians 2. It says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility, right? He's talking about at this time the Jews and the Gentiles were fighting each other. And he's saying Jesus has brought down this wall, right? He's brought them together. In himself, oh wait, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For though... For through him, both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Right? Key, this is the key part that's connecting to our um, Leviticus 26, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, to us, we're so used to hearing that, this idea that we are the temple of God. What does that truly signify? This place that Israel had to come, and there were so many regulations to approach the Lord. It says that now his people, the church, those who trust in Jesus, They have become the temple. Me and you hold the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And that one day the entire earth might might experience the presence of God because God, his temple is expanding as we're telling people about Jesus and and His, his presence is going out that people might walk with God, that we would walk with God. But it's all paramount on keeping the commands and statutes, but we failed. So because we trust in the one who walked with God and did it in our place, we are able to walk with God. I was never good enough, and I never will be, to walk with God in my own strength. Never. Couldn't do it. Right? I could barely walk with my wife. I'm I'm not good enough. But because of Jesus... Right, because of his perfect life, because of his perfect love, because of his perfect obedience, because of his death, his resurrection, we are able to walk with God because he did first right that, that's that 's what the Bible is trying to lead us to this idea of walking with God because Jesus has kept the commands he 's kept the covenant all right and You know, I was thinking, walking with God. What in the world does that look like today? Well, I mean, that's a beautiful thing to say. Hey, go walk with God. What does it mean to walk with God? I mean, if you see me walking down the street with my hand open, you know, what's going on? You don't just walk with walking with God isn't walking like this, you know, and your hands out and yeah, I'm walking with God today. Like people are gonna be like, "Whoa, you okay? Are you okay?" Walking with God, yes, truly Jesus is with us, right? And I believe his hand is in my hand. But it's more than that. It's, it's a communion. It's a fellowship. It's a friendship. It's a, it's, an, it's a knowledge that God is with me everywhere I go. And, and he's shaping the way I think, the way I act, the way I live, right? And I just, I thought of these different things. Trust. It's all paramount on trust, Nothing's changed in the terms of trust. The people of Israel, in order to do these commandments, they had to trust. They had to have faith. You're not going to sacrifice all of these goats and, and come every year to the tabernacle and, and have this guy in this crazy robe walk into this tent and, and sprinkle blood all over the place because you don't believe it's true. They had to trust in order to be with God. They had to have faith to be with God. Right? And, and, and everything is paramount. If we're going to do what God asks us to do, we first had to trust Him. You don't follow. You don't, you don't allow someone to lead you. You don't trust. Be, that's not good. We've got to trust. God trusted. Well, we had to trust God. Right? We're not probably worthy of that trust. right? We broke that trust, but God continued to be faithful and worthy of trust. Right, so it's all paramount on trust but very practical time. Those Sabbath days, those feast days, were after they had purified the, the place where they would meet with God and, and the people had been purified and forgiven and the, sa- the sacred status was given. It all was, it all was moving towards them now having the time to be with the Lord. The Sabbath was so important because it was time set, a, set aside to be with God, to recognize who he is, to recognize that he is almighty, right? And to be with one another. They came to these feast days together as a community. It, it wasn't all, this is, I just do my own thing. No, no, you had, you, you, you went to the feast with the rest of the people, right? This idea that we got to give God our time and it's a time that we dedicate with purpose, right? Church. You're setting aside time right now. This is time that you set aside to hear from God, to meet with people, to worship together. This is, this is walking with God right here. This is walking with God. This is what it looks like, right? And, and as, we're at, as we're the church, we just said it a couple minutes ago. We, we hold the presence of God and everywhere we go on this earth, we are telling people about Jesus that his presence might spread, that the temple might grow, Right? that the people would grow, but also throughout the day, throughout the day. Are you walking with God throughout the day? It's a question to always be asking. I remember when I was in youth group, one of our youth leaders, his name, John Cintron, some of you might know him. we got to pray for his daughter, Ezra. we got to continue praying for healing and for God's, for God's will, right? we gotta, we got to lift them up, right? In... Um, he was, he was a great youth leader, and I learned a lot from him, and we would always be doing stuff, and John, John, he is just one of the funnest and just the most filled with love you'll ever meet, and, uh, and his wife, too, and, and I would be hanging out with John. didn't matter what we were doing. We'd be fishing. You know, we'd be out on a boat. We would be, I don't know, walking through the woods. We'd be going and buying um, stuff for maybe like a church event or whatever it might be. John, didn't matter what we were talking about. It always led to talking about Jesus in prayer, yeah. right? And he just exemplified that to me, and taught me, right, that, man, I don't, I don't have to have different parts of my life, but Jesus can be a part of every, my, every part of my life, yeah. right? Often we compartmentalize things, and this is my work time, this is my family time, this is my friend time, this is my sleep time, right? This is, right, and we have all these different parts to our life, but there shouldn't be, this is my God time, right? God time flows through every one of those, right? Walking with Jesus, walking with God is in every part. It has to be. Otherwise, we're not, we're not going to experience all that it promises. We're not going to experience the true love and the true freedom and the true purpose. And he showed me that. I remember working construction and we, we would, um, we, we would uh, I did this excavation company and. We would uh, compact the ground. You have to compact dirt before you lay foundations on it. And so, I I loved compacting. A compactor looks like a lawnmower that vibrates, and it's a big steel plate, and it just jiggles like this. And you go, you walk around like this, and you it's like you go back and forth, making sure that the ground is nice and hard. And I loved it because it was so loud. And uh, so I put in my earmuffs, and I would just I would just sing during while I had the compactor because I knew no one else could hear me, you know. (laughs) They could see my lips moving, but as long as they didn't hear me, right? I mean, I'll tell them I'm singing, but you don't want to hear that. And so, and so as I was doing the compact, I'd be singing. But I did it because John had taught me how to walk with God, right? My dad, my mom, they taught me how to walk with God, right? My other friends who, who love the Lord, they taught me how to walk with God. It's not just one part of my life. It's, it's got to be in every part of my life, and that's still a battle, it's still, it's still a struggle at times. But it has to be a deep desire that because I trust in him, I'm going to walk with him, right? I'm going to give him my time. I'm going to give him my time at church, but I'm going to give him my time every day, throughout the day. I'm going to say a little prayer at lunch. I'm just going to read my verse. Just, I'm just going to read my verse of the day when I have a second. And I think, too, the morning time or even the evening time, right? Getting, getting Opening up the word, opening up your devotional, Right, starting your day or ending your day, and you're just like, Lord, I need to hear from you. I need, I need to just maybe hear a story about how Jesus calmed the seas, how he had power over creation. I need, I need to, I need to hear a story about how he, how he, how he uh, freed the demoniac man. He had power over the devil. I need to hear a story about about how Jesus. He went and he, and he, he cared for the Samaritan woman, who no other Jew would have cared for. Right? Who no other, who no other religious person. Would have cared for it. Jesus, I need—I need to hear a little bit about Jesus. I need to learn from His life. We just open up that Word, and we just pray. It's a great time to just say, "Lord, this is what's on my heart. These are the things that are keeping me up at night. These are the things that are hurting my family. These are the things I need to work on. These are my needs. Or and also, like, Lord, this is what I'm thankful for. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends, Lord. Thank you that you're still good even in the midst of struggle." Right, all of, and you've you got to spend that time, you've got to find that time. It might look different at different parts of your life, but you're dedicating time. As, as a kid, one of the most things I treasured is I would wake up in the morning for school and I would always get up early. I'd get up early because I would get dressed and then I would go downstairs and I would fall asleep on the couch so I could sleep all the way until it was time to go to school. Genius. Now, all right, now. It's not really, I mean, you should maybe pray in the morning, right? I'm not really uh, snitching myself out here, right? But I remember waking up in the morning, going downstairs, and my dad would be sitting on the couch with his Bible open, maybe with a worship song on, maybe his eyes just closed, you know? And probably a time or two, if his eyes were closed, I'd, you know, go over there and see if he was awake or what was going on, but he was praying, he was walking with the Lord, and he was, he taught me that. You gotta have that time, you gotta be sitting with the Lord, you gotta enjoy that presence that we've been given, how special it is. So many people before us didn't get to just sit with the Lord, they didn't get to be the temple of God, but we've been allowed to have access to the Father, have access to Jesus, have access to his presence, right? And I'm just thinking, as my dad did that, man, I have a daughter coming, I need, I need, to, I need to walk with the Lord. I need, I need my daughter to wake up in the morning, come downstairs, and she needs to see her dad just seeking the Lord. Lord, what's your word saying? Lord, what do you, what do you have for me today? What do, here, here is what's in my heart, God. Here's what's going on in my life. We gotta give him that time. We gotta walk with him, right? I was thinking even modeling God's character, right? Israel was given moral, moral laws at their time, especially to be different than the pagan nations, that they would know there's a one true God. And, and we have also been given a way of living so that people will know who the Lord is, right? We, are, we also are, are called to a standard to live by, to be like Christ, to be an image of Christ. And so on your job, there's going to be times, gray areas, and there's going to be times where they, I don't, I don't know if that's the right thing. And you got to stand up for what's right. You got to do what's correct. You know, don't compromise the word of God in your life, what he's doing, to simply be liked by other people. Because the truth is, people will eventually truly love you because you do what's Right? Right? because you follow him. We gotta make sure we don't compromise on our job, that we're walking with the Lord. Maybe someone needs help, they're behind. Maybe they're behind on their work and you can say, oh, you should've came in later last night. You should've worked overtime or something. You don't know what's going on. Maybe help them out. Maybe you got an extra moment. Try to help them get that task accomplished. Try to go after it with them, right? Walking with the Lord, loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says not just love your neighbor as yourself, He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus loved us more than himself. Jesus died for us. Are we willing to to sacrificially love people on our job, in our home, wherever we go? Because that's walking with the Lord, right? Even, uh, Even at the supermarket, wherever we go. You know, it sounds cliche, but maybe someone needs help putting their groceries away. It's so simple. Walk with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you see someone getting mistreated. Someone's saying something rotten. Something that's not true. Maybe something's happened. Stand up. Stand up for what's true. Walk with the Lord. Right? Worship. Worshiping God. Singing to Him. Giving Him our hearts. It's not just a modern thing that we've created. Israel came to these feasts and they worshiped God in their Sabbath rest, in their their coming together to experience the presence of God. They worshiped, they sang, they learned. We need to worship God. Put on that worship song. Come to church and give your heart. Let it all out. Allow him to speak to you. Give him your praise. Think about all the things he's done in your life. Worship him. It's walking with the Lord, right? We can, we can walk with God, why? Because our faith is in the one who walked with him perfectly. Right? Jesus allows us to dwell with the Lord, not just in the next life after we pass, but right here and today, right now. He hasn't forgiven you, he hasn't cleansed you, so you can just go do whatever you want. He's cleansed you and forgiven you so you can be with him, <clears throat> That was the purpose of Leviticus, right? It's the purpose of our lives. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and um, as we close, I just want to—I want us to picture—I want us to picture Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming up, and I want you to think about the table at Thanksgiving, and maybe there's someone you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe you're going to see someone you miss, someone you love, or maybe something—something is something bad has happened, and you—you got to maybe you got to restore a relationship. I want you to imagine in your mind Thanksgiving and the people you're going to see, some of the people you've missed, some of the people that you need to grow with, some of the people that maybe aren't even here anymore, all right? Just take a second. I want you to think of those people because you love them and you know them, and they're on your heart, and I want you to know this, just as much as you love those people and you want to be with them, God wants to be with you and he loves you, and God wants to be with the people who you're experiencing every day as you go about and he loves them and he wants them as well. God wants to dwell with his people. Everything we do is for the dining room table. Everything we do is so that we'll come together and we'll be with him and he will be our God and we will be his people. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that. We thank you, Lord, that you're the almighty God. That you're the king. That you're the Lord. That you're the mighty warrior. That God, you're the one who's defeated sin. That you're the one who's who's conquered what we could never conquer. You're the one who's overcome death. You've crossed the bridge and you've come back. That Lord, it all submits to you. It's under you, Jesus. And that God, you desire us that throughout history you've set up ways that people could interact with you set up ways that people could experience the forgiveness and love of god that they would experience you and live lord like you that they would become the true image the they would become the true fulfillment lord of what we were created to be right now lord i know there's just things that are on our hearts and we're struggling we're hurting Or maybe everything's awesome, and that's good too. But in everything that we would recognize, we need to walk with you. That we can trust in the one who walked with you. That he's made the way. That we can give our time to reflect and and experience and embrace your presence. And we can live it out. Give it all to you, Jesus. Take our lives, Lord. They're yours. We love you, Lord. Maybe today you want to. You're like, I need that. I don't have it. You just put your faith in Jesus. You just, you just trust in Him, not just with words, but with your life. You lay it down, and He'll fill you with your, with His Spirit to walk this life, to walk with Him. Maybe you just want to say a prayer, just to solidify. Just say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my trespasses. Help me recognize that you're with me. And help me love the people around me. In Jesus' name, amen.